Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expeditors Podcast, where you can hear about front-of-mind topics in the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today we're wrapping up our series on the visibility economy in logistics. So far, we've covered cargo signal and how sensor-based freight enables crucial in-the-moment decision-making, how carrier allocation is changing the way shippers plan and secure capacity, coho and the empowerment of smaller shippers through online platforms, and today we'll talk about trade flow and how greater access to current customs data strengthens supply chains. Returning to talk with me about this topic is the director of trade flow, Nick Bueller. Nick, how are you doing? Welcome back. Thanks, Chris. Good to be back. I must have done something right on my first try for you to bring me back. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It was a good chat uh, last time. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk a little bit more deeply about trade flow, too, and, and just how it kind of ties in this whole visibility economy thing that we've been talking about. But for folks who may not be familiar, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I, um, I've been with the Expeditors. It'll be 18 years, actually, next week, which is, I guess, a little exciting anniversary. Oh, yeah. Um, leaving the house, you know, going out in the world as an 18-year-old veteran of, of expeditors. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been mostly within our trade flow group. I've, I've held a few different roles within trade flow mm-hmm. and, a, and a couple roles before trade flow. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's, it's been a great career here. And um, I'm excited to talk to you today about, about this topic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, could you give us an overview of what trade flow is exactly? We're going to be talking about it a lot. Um, what is it? Yeah, so it's, it's a web-based uh, software as a service or SaaS for short solution. And it's a product that allows our customers to just get organized around all the different customs and compliance data elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just so much um, to, to to organize and then to hand off to your your broker, your your third party, your forwarders. And, it, it, you know, trying to do that with spreadsheets, with homegrown databases, um, it just doesn't cut it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we have this tool that we offer and we sell to customers um, to get organized, to keep track of things because a lot of what they do is compliance and um, having that audit trail, that record of changes is really important to oh, yeah. them, really top of mind. Oh, yeah. And so it's, um, yeah, it's something that we offer and it's, you know, pretty flexible uh, type subscription basis, um, small usage, high usage, just really the whole whole spectrum, all, all different industries too. And that service can kind of be cut to size, right, to the customer's need? Yeah, so we do offer like different kinds of pricing, flexible um, based on how much data you're storing, you're processing, how many users. Uh, there's different modules in the system too. Uh, so, you know, it's not one size fits all. You might need one section, but not the other. And we we can support in just all different, you know, shapes and sizes. Yeah. What about trade flow uh, kind of ties into your interests? Like, why is this cool to you? What makes you geek out about Customs data. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it probably started back in college in the in the nineties. Um, I, I got an international studies degree. I just it was more like geopolitical studies, reading about you know the history of nations and regulations, and I, I learned about like anti dumping. In, in, in college there. And mm-hmm. um, and so that really interests me. And then I, I got into some language translation stuff out of college and just wanted to really focus on international uh, something. I, I didn't know what it was. It was, you know, language at first. And then mm-hmm. got interested in like logistics and the, the world of trade. And that led me to expediters. Um, and then I got more interested in technology side of trade. And I and I got picked up to move to trade flow. And, and uh, what I think it's been 13 years or 
14 years now in Tradeflow. It's, yeah. it's been fun. Yeah. yeah. But Tradeflow has been around for a lot longer than that, correct? It's uh, 20 years or so is what I'm hearing? Yeah, we're coming on about 20 years. Um, I think we launched our first customer in 2003, mm-hmm. so I guess 18 years or so. But mm-hmm. it was definitely something that Expeditors created around the turn of the, the century or millennia. Yeah, what kind of prompted that? It's interesting. It, it goes back, um, I would say, you know, years before that. A lot of, I think, what drives customs and compliance comes out of the United States and the U.S. regulations. There's, It tends to kind of lead or has in historically kind of led, I think, the world in regulating stuff. Um, and maybe that'll change. But, like, but going back to like the mid-90s or early 90s, um, there was this legislation called the, the Customs Modernization Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in 1993. Uh, we call it the MOD Act for short. And it was just like it was born out of this time when, um, you know, going back into the 80s where trade was exploding and um, there was just so much going on. And at the time, a lot of the responsibility for admission of goods in the U.S. was on customs, the customs agency. Mm-hmm. And as um, as trade was really just exploding, um, and, and customs was also trying to push all this automation on on the trade on the community to allow them to target, you know, enforcement of goods. You had this old way of you know paper processes, really analog processes, right. and so they you know wanted to modernize it, and so that's why they called it the Mod Act. And so that's that shifted the responsibility more to the importers. Mm. It, it it by statute it clarified that. The responsibility for what you declare to customs is po- is upon the importer of record, and that was a big change. Um, and so, so companies, importers um, who move the goods through customs, took that responsibility on, and so then they knew all this is on their shoulders, and they had to get organized, get their data together, and whatever they tell customs, like they're liable for that. Mm-hmm. And expediters, we you know we've been around for you know forty plus years, and we wanted to take care of our customers, and when we do all of the, the freight and the customs work, um, and so by I think by the late '90s, you also had of course the internet had taken off, and more and more web-based products were emerging, and so you had this kind of convergence where the Mod Act forced the responsibility on importers. Technology was was right for this, and so we we as a company predates me, but as a company we decided we needed to, to create a product. Um, that our customers could use to to organize all this customs data, right. uh, like we were talking about earlier. Moving these processes uh, further upstream, up towards the shipper, what kind of education had to happen for folks to kind of get used to these new responsibilities? Yeah, I think it's interesting because the, the, I used the term earlier, software as a service. I don't think that term existed in the early two thousands, <laughs> right. as far as I know. I've done a little research on sure, it, sure. Um, and so I don't. I think it was new for customers to look at web based or what we'd call cloud solutions today. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think there were some security concerns, you know, do you trust the cloud and all that? Um, so that was a leap to to say, hey, you can use this web browser thing and you can put your data there and it's going to be safe. It's going to be stored. It's not going to get blown away. <laughs> so that was, I think, a technology leap mm-hmm. um, that was occurring. And I, I think it did take some education to customers to, to understand that. And, and then the whole compliance, you know, am I going to get audited? What happens if I get audited? Mm-hmm. How am I going to tell customs and other agencies what we were doing? Um, and that's just this peace of mind factor, I call it, where you just know, hey, you can go to this system and it's going to tell you what that data was, at what point in time, who changed it, and and how do you quantify that value? I don't know how you do, but I think that was a lot of education that 
that we as a company expediters had to take at the time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and if you think like, well, 1993, the Mod Act came out. And of course, that also introduced NAFTA, North America Free Trade Agreement, um, you know, officially in, in the region. And so you go, oh, well, you know, eight to 10 years later, trade flow comes out. Um, that's a long time. But if you think about like, you know, eight to 10 years back from now, mm-hmm. um, things can kind of move slowly in terms of our habits and our and our patterns of how we manage things. And so I still think it was kind of probably early in the early 2000s for customers to, you know, really embrace that, um, that role of being responsible for mm-hmm. their customs data. Mm-hmm. So I think that was probably still an education process that we and others in the community were still, you know, working at. You said that expediters, you know, we wanted to take care of our customers. And so that's why we developed the system and, and, and brought a lot of this education to them. What kind of philosophies would you say led the approach to trade flow? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I used the term earlier, software as a service. And, and the way I look at Tradeflow is um, we're part of a service company, um, Expediters. You know, we we put our service out there and that's what we offer um, to our customers. And so with our with our digital solutions like Tradeflow, it's really software plus service. Mm-hmm. And and so it's the people behind it. It's the it's the onboarding, um, making it easy for our customers to analyze their data, get it loaded once you're a customer, the support that we put behind it, we don't disappear. We have people that you can call and talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I think, maybe what's distinct for us, you know, uh, compared to others, is that there's that service component that sits strongly behind the software. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so I wanted to kind of get a little bit more high level here and look at not just Tradeflow, but other data management systems. You know, as a result of this, uh, of the Mod Act, what were some of the problems that um, trade data management systems helped resolve. Yeah, just like the, um, and it's continued since, you know, the 90s and, and even in the last 10 years, is just this explosion of data elements you have to manage. <laughs> um, we saw, you know, again in the U.S., we saw it in like 2016 um, with the rollout of the, they called it the single window initiative. And the whole idea in a nutshell was that, you um, it's not just the customs agency that wants to know about your data. It's all these other agencies mm-hmm. like FDA, Food and Drug Administration. They want to know. They have their own data elements they want to know. And so it just feels like every year there's more and more data elements from different agencies or existing agencies wanting to know more about your goods, sure. more about your suppliers. And that's got to live somewhere. Somebody's got to determine that, got to store it, and and you got to get that to to someone, probably a broker logistics provider of some kind. Mm-hmm. And it's just, just this like march forward of more and more data um, that you have to try to keep track of to, to get it across the customs border. So then if we think about, you know, here it's two, 2021 and we look back several years, the the U.S., you know, trying to trade wars and, and, and other regions, U.S., Europe, and in some cases too, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really made it front page news for like for the first time in a lot of cases where, um, a lot of people noticed, a lot of C-suite uh, type executives noticed what was going on. And, th- and that predates the pandemic. And so we started having this disruption with, um, oh, my, my duty rate suddenly went up. Um, now let me shift my sourcing. And mm-hmm. you know, people start looking to other regions to source their goods. And now you're analyzing, you know, obviously the, the distribution costs, the freight costs, but w- what does it mean for my, my customs processing? And is there a free trade agreement that's going to reduce or eliminate my duty? And 
And so that was just new challenges that emerged even before the pandemic, you mm-hmm. know, tied to those those trade wars. So with the increasing amount of data needed, there's just an increasing amount of questions that you got to ask yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's exactly it's it's a lot just more complexity. Kind of choose your own adventure. You know, <laughs> you, you you knock down one door and there's 10 questions yeah, and then yeah. there's another door in that room to another door. And it just kind of never stops. Did, did the Mod Act kind of speed up? Um, digitization or, or bringing things into this digital age? I mean, you, you made it sound like it was such an analog process, very paper-driven. Like, what kind of kicked off this move to platforms? Yeah, I feel, I will say, I feel a little weird commenting on the, you know, the Mod Act. I was a pimply-faced teenager at the time, <laughs> to, be, to be honest. But, um, you know, I, I do find this really interesting. And like I said, I got interested in college in this, and mm-hmm. I'm happy to have a career in this space. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it was from what I, you know, I've talked to people like, like Ted Henderson and our companies, if you ever get to talk to him, he's just this wealth of knowledge on customs. And, um, you know, I talked to him earlier this week and, and he was just, you know, sharing what it was like and how things were just stuck, you know, in this this old analog space and mm-hmm. customs trying to push the trade forward and, and digitize stuff. But so, yeah, I think it did. It did initiate this digitization of of processes. Uh, and again, with with the Internet, you know, coinciding with that at the same time. Yeah. It was like, I guess, these nice two things, these two streams uh, coming together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. L- looking at today now, um, what would you say are some of the issues or kind of like uh, points of failure that the pandemic has kind of revealed in your space? Yeah, I mean, there's there's several. I'll, I'll focus on three, though, just sure. kind of keep it <laughs> organized. Um, <laughs> you know, I think what we saw, like, you know, across the board everywhere, you know, a you know, year and a half ago, you know, March, say March 2020, you put a time frame on it is... You know, we, we all su- suddenly shifted a course to uh, remote virtual environment. And, you know, one thing was that you couldn't you couldn't just lean over and ask someone a question anymore right. um, or tell them something, you know, that 30 second, one minute type interaction. Um, so, you know, communications just moved to be more asynchronous and um, maybe that was email or maybe it was more sophisticated. So we started to see a need to you know, these platforms to manage um, your, your your activity, like a work board type approach, work cues, um, making notes, you know, elevating the status of something up to the next level, mm-hmm. assigning data, approving data, getting it out to where it needs to go. Um, that just, that kind of took a leap forward. Just, it had to suddenly. <laughs> so that was the first thing. Yeah. Um, second thing is that, you know, think about it from like a manager perspective and, and you have a team and you have these stakeholders you're managing is just keeping track of what everyone is doing. Um, it's harder when everyone's dispersed. Um, and, you know, like in our product in TradeFlow, it, it, it keeps this history of the changes. It um, it tells you who updated something and you can assign data to a certain person. And so it gives someone who's trying to report up to others and share the status of things with others, it gives them a place to keep track of that, mm-hmm. keep track of their team, try to stay organized sure, again sure. there. Yeah. Um, and I think the third thing, maybe more of a technology focus, is just we saw that having a web-based solution was really helpful. Um, you know, I don't think that a lot of companies' networks were really primed to handle the sudden spike in volume of activity and I think we saw it at our company is just, you know, all these people coming in with the VPN, trying to get through the network. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked to customers that they're using like an old access database, trying to go through their network VPN. It's super slow. And just having a web-based solution, hopefully you had it in place already, um, or spin one up like TradeFlow really quickly. 
And it was just really easy. You could use it off the network, still secure, you know, secure login and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just like the SaaS systems were really built for that with a, a niche a niche focus um, to get them quickly implemented and, and not constrained by the, the network and the technology. It's been interesting. I, I think we've all like as, as a society taken these leaps forward. And, and now, you know, um, you know, being back in person again, and it's like this new energy. I'm enjoying it personally, mm-hmm. um, and seeing faces I had I'd only seen on video for a while, and um, and so yeah. Now that we're coming back, I guess into the analog space, um, these things that we learned uh, for systems and collaboration in the last you know year and a half, two years, um, I'm really hopeful that these are going to carry forward and that we're going to take those learnings and continue them on. You know, with changing consumer behaviors, the sourcing strategies changing, uh, more trade wars happen, or more tariffs, you know, coming about, like there's a lot going on. Uh, what would you say, you know, with a trade data management system like like TradeFlow or the others out there, what, what can importers do to be more proactive or productive with the timings? I mean, while they're waiting because their cans are out on the ship, <laughs> that's, you know, that's in line with, you know, 70 others out there. What can they do to, to be more productive? Yeah. So I know it, it can be a little cliche, but the whole control what you can control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that we really stress is, yeah, you're right, Chris, you, you can't you can't get that ocean container through the port any faster, probably. Nope. There's not much you're going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. There's too many other constraints. Um, uh, we were talking earlier about, you know, the the single window and, and like what FDA uh, needs. They need to know about all these data elements. Uh, who's the supplier? Um, what's their registration number? And I think that's, that's an example we've seen is um, just be ready. Have your customs data ready so that when it's your turn to process your entry, mm-hmm. you're not the bottleneck. Um, and that's something you can control. Um, you can get that data prepared upstream. Because um, I think it really is easy to let that slide. It's like you're just trying to stay afloat. You're, you're calling carriers, you're, you're emailing your broker, your suppliers, et cetera. That kind of like data prep stuff can slip because it may, be not, may not be top of mind. Right, right. Um, but it is a good time to refocus on that because the last thing you want to do is not be ready with, with a fully prepared set of data when it's your turn to get that container off the ship. And there's a very preventable delay that doesn't, doesn't have to happen. Yeah, it's totally preventable. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I, I do know people are, are busier than ever and stuff, so it's not. I'm not saying it's easy, but ha- being organized, having a system, knowing the status, um, who's working something, all of that can can really help to uh, to be ready and, and be organized. Yeah. I want to tie this back to the, you know, this visibility economy topic that we've been covering for um, the last one, four episodes now. Um, visibility is such a popular term in the logistics industry these days. Like when you hear that word, what do you think are the the main blind spots um, within your space? Like what is like where is it most crucial? Yeah, I mean I think visibility to a lot of people means, you know, visibility, where is my freight, um, you know, on a map or, you know, at what event sure. or at what um, stage. You know, and for me, I will say in my space, visibility is more about um, you know, is where is my data? Uh, you know, who has it? Um, is it complete? Um, what data am I missing? Um, and that might be, I need something from my supplier. And I need to know, um, you know, for instance, there's a lot of focus now on forced labor and um, analyzing the sourcing, know your supplier, you know, who, who what they're doing, uh, who they're employing. And so you need to vet your suppliers. And so you, you have, probably have a lot of questions for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about your goods as well, like we've talked about. So just 
visibility to me is visibility to those blind spots, um, and that and that means asking questions. It means having a place to store the answers to those, um, and then a bit on like kind of completeness of my data visibility. Am I like eighty percent complete? Am I am I good? Am I a hundred percent? And so that's to me what I think of like visibility and visibility economy is. Um, you know, yeah, there's the physical side, but the digital side, you know, of, of your data that lives with that shipment. I mean, it's kind of traveling on this parallel path. Um, I think more about that personally yeah. in this kind of, kind of question here. The higher the quality, the better. Yeah. It's like, you don't know what you don't know also. So, um, you know, the governments have all of their information they publish, different agencies. And, um, and so you need to kind of keep track of that, um, bring stuff to the surface. Um, and yeah, it has to be high quality. And so if you're gonna, if you're gonna vet a supplier or you're gonna approve a product record to move, you gotta trust it. Um, you gotta trust that you've got good information at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was talking about forced labor, but there's also just general, general sh- sanctioned parties and the, the uh, restricted party list, they always change. And so you gotta know that if you approve a supplier or you approve a customer, you're doing that with high quality information. It's right, like right. high confidence behind that. Yeah. You need to know where everything connects to. You can't just afford to have a blind spot and say, I didn't know that it was passing through this concerning party. Uh, you need to know. Yeah. Have full visibility, really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's visibility of the party, visibility of, of your goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so going forward, what behaviors or processes do you think the pandemic will have kind of permanently changed for systems like TradeFlow? Like, what lasting impacts uh, will the pandemic have? Oh, yeah. So one thing would be, I talked a little earlier about the technology constraints we saw oh, when yeah. we went remote mm-hmm. all of a sudden. And so I don't, I don't see people trying to go back to or newly set up a lot of internal network type systems that they know they're going to be highly reliable upon. Mm-hmm. I mean, some companies are staying, you know, hybrid or remote. And so you, for sure, in that case, you want to make sure you've got a, a system that you can get to easily. Um, but even companies that are going fully back in the office, um, you're going to be traveling at some point again soon. And yeah. if you're working out of a hotel room or on a plane, you want to be able to get to your system pretty easily. Um, so I think that's that's a pattern that um, we're kind of loosen that tie from like company homegrown networks mm-hmm. and um, and look at these like these niche products, like SaaS products that they fill a, a specific need um, and they can be pretty easy to implement. So I think that's that trend is going to continue. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ultimately, wh- how do we get the data t- to go along with you wherever you need to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and trying to um, obviously trying to connect things and so that, that takes work, but connecting whatever you're doing is connecting it with your third party. Aside from that, what else is on the horizon for data management software, and you know what do you think it would need to do for customers? Yeah, so I think we saw it with you know before the pandemic with the trade wars, mm-hmm. um, customers. Um, you know, suppliers, everyone forced to adapt quickly there. And, and clearly we saw it with the pandemic, um, again, forced to adapt quickly. So that that seems to be a theme. We don't know what's around the corner, what's the next thing that we're going to have to adapt to. Um, but, you know, looking at 2022, I don't think that the, you know, the the situation is going to change drastically. Sure. Um, and there could be some other challenge that comes across. Um Maybe companies are moving goods more, you know, domestically. Um, 
And so that's a new challenge. You know, you're not clearing customs, but you have different challenges. So I think just being uh, being able to adapt to these changes, having the mindset of you know, this is not the exception to have to adapt. This is more the norm, mm -hmm. the rule. And um, whatever systems, processes you can put in place um, to be organized, to, um, you know, detect early, um, may not be able to predict a change or regulation or sure. a disruption. But who can do that? <laughs> um, but see it early when it happens. Right, right. And, and probably just have good relationships too, good relationships with, with your whole supply chain um, so that you are taken care of when, yeah. you know, your logistics provider can help you out, your, um, your broker can help you out. I think relationships also are, are really important. So being exceptions ready is yeah. the, is the like, name of the game. expect it, have that mindset, <laughs> and like we're in the problem-solving business, embrace the problem, I guess, and yeah. go out and solve it. Just go with the flow, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, Nick. Well, it was so good to have you here. If people want to get in contact with you uh, to learn more about TradeFlow or to talk with you about you know, kind of your thoughts on customs data and its role in the visibility economy, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, probably the best way would be on LinkedIn. Uh, find me on LinkedIn and connect. Be happy to connect with new people and uh, message me, connect, and uh, we can always talk more. Happy to happy to always set up calls, one-on-one uh, -on -one calls. If someone's interested in our product, what we offer, um, always be happy to explore that with someone. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expediters, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expediters.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time. Bye.